0: Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.
1: I can't get a break Mistakes been like this so long I'm so holding on I can't take a break Body and Everybody's gone
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today I'm here with Mark from ADKOB. Hello, how are you today?
1: Doing very well, how are you, Vic?
0: Good, thank you.
1: Good.
0: First of all, congrats on releasing your album. It's a beautiful thank you. album. Oh, thank you. So it's called Defender. Yeah. And I guess what I read is that it marks a period of rebirth for the band. Um, True. Yeah. Do you want to like touch on that and just talk about how the reception has been since releasing this album? And yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what Defender's been out for two weeks now, which is still kind of, I'm still pinching myself. When I started at the end of sort of 2019, it's actually come to fruition. I don't think I've finished anything in my entire life, <laughs> really. So it's it's quite an incredible feeling. Um, but yeah, it is a bit of a it was a bit of a rebirth for us because at the end of 2019, we kind of almost fell apart. So we had a lot of band members leaving and. Um, Well, two band members, uh, unfortunately, part of with us. Managers, part of with us. We left our label. It was this whole sort of shebang, and it left us at uh, the end of the road. It felt like the end of the road. Um, But for us, the pandemic was weirdly a good thing because it gave us a little bit of time to think things over and go, all right, we never made a record. Let's just make a record and see what happens. And uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Just uh, (laughs) off its own sort of uh, momentum, it just happened on its own. And uh, now that it's out, it's been incredible because we're completely independent now um, and we had no real expectation other than internal expectation of just releasing something we are really proud of and we really loved. But it's doing amazing things so far. It's like lots of streams and plays and lots of messages of love and support and articles and things like that, and it's kind of overwhelming. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, amazing. How have you found kind of going from being independent to having management and a label to now going back to being independent? Like what, how's been the transition?
1: Um, it's been a lot for mental health. (laughs) Um, but really it's been kind of amazing that we, I mean, that's kind of what the album is about. It's the reason I called it Defender. As it's, it's about defending oneself from oneself. So I think when you find yourself, when everybody's leaving you, so to speak, um, it's a, you know, you got to, I guess, stand up for yourself or like show up for yourself and go, no, we're still going to do this. We 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 can support ourselves and um, we can just make this happen. So, um, yeah, it's it's a weird transition, but there's a lot more freedom, I must say. Like being with a label is it's pretty cool and all that sort of thing. But there's a lot of people you have to talk to and there's a lot of meetings and a lot of umming and ahhing about your artwork and your music. And it's much nicer to not have that, to be honest, just to shoot from the hip and go for it
0: yeah how do you find it affects your like I guess your creativity um
1: uh I think po- positively yeah. as a whole it's um it was it was it was helpful having a, a team behind us but at the same time i'm a, I work in a very weird way I write songs in a very un- unorthodox way I suppose and uh to be able to do that without anybody you know. <laughs> uh, having any influence on that is is amazing I feel yeah. I felt extremely free making this album I really felt like I was just making it for me and wasn't even sure I was going to release it at one point Totally. Um, because I wanted to keep that maybe I'm a control freak I don't know yeah. <laughs> I wanted to keep that ownership and freedom about it but I'm at the same time I'm very happy to have it out in the world
0: yeah I think that definitely just shows for like what good because having management and having labels is amazing because like I guess you have that support system but it definitely shows for when they are like a perfect fit for you when you can still allow yourself to have that freedom and allow yourself to write that music in however way you choose and have your art be however way you choose and still feel the support from like a label which is yeah it's an interesting thought and there are like there aren't that many labels out there that no. your like labels, I guess. There are a lot of indie labels that probably operate that way, but in terms of, like, really major labels, it's, yeah, very interesting.
1: Absolutely. It's very much like a like you said, it's a limited, you know, limited amount of numbers to choose from. And it has to be a really good relationship, I think. Like, it basically has to be a marriage because you work really closely together. And you're talking about something very personal, which, you know, for an artist, their art is pretty personal when you're talking about how to sell it, how to package it, how to rearrange it. It's uh it's not always good for the artist. So it can be, but as I said, the relationship has to be really strong. Yeah. Or uh or it's just a bit awkward, really.
0: Yeah, totally. And I guess you've been making music for some time now. How hmm. do you say that your music making process um and just I guess your general sound has changed since releasing a different kind of busy in 2016 and, you know, I don't know how many years it's been, five maybe?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like we all stopped counting around about 2020 for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, let's say five years. That's pretty, uh, that'll do. (laughs) Um, I think it it changes on its own and I. uh, the only thing I've really learned over the last five or six years is that thinking is overrated. So I think it's really important to just, like, I don't know shoot first and ask questions later I guess like just if you're an artist and you want to write songs you just gotta write if you want to record just record don't think too much about it if it feels good just do it that's always been my philosophy with ADKOV. E. and uh when I listen back to older stuff I, I can sort of hear whatever I was listening to at the time uh influences it a fair bit which can be pretty varied you know it's not necessarily what's going on modern music at the time it can be from whatever era um but yeah, the other thing would be just that I'm trying to keep it a lot simpler, which is a weird thing to say because we're a pretty layered, textured kind of um, act. But just keeping things at a baseline, like a really simple thing. It's like really good melodies, good words, um, yeah. So that sort of thing. But I'm not—I'm never really chasing a particular sound. I'm just fishing randomly, to be quite honest. And, and if it feels good, I go with it. It's as simple as yeah. that.
0: Your opening track on the album Concerning Patterns. Yeah. Um, very cool. It kind of gives me, like, David Bowie vibes. Yeah, right. In a funny way. Mm, um, awesome. It's also five minutes long. Yeah. So why, talk me through this track and, like, why you chose for this track to be the first thing that people hear when they play your album. I love
1: this question. Um. When I was talking about, like, not thinking just before and just recording, that's the ultimate example. Like, I was just trying out a synth patch or something, and before I knew it, I was like, oh, I'm putting this weird song together. But uh, I I just wanted to try and make a song. I always wanted the opening track to be something that was arrangement-wise not standard, so not verse chorus, verse chorus. I just wanted it to flow on its own and see what happens. And I wrote another song with a view for that to be the... um, the opening track, which was equally as kind of unusual and long, but uh, it never really went anywhere. And then this one was an experiment that had nothing to do with that idea and ended up being the song. But uh, yeah, the, the idea of the song is, you know, it gets pretty messy and crazy and party towards the end. And I suppose like the the lyrical message behind the song is, is someone uh, slowly driving their partner crazy with, uh, I guess, lies and things. And uh, yeah, it's kind of supposed to, musically it's supposed to represent slowly going a bit nuts. Um, And it's a bit of a write of reply song as well in the sense that like there's kind of two main parts to the song and one is one person in a relationship and one is the other. So um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's pretty, it's wacky. My friend recently, I feel like I should mention this. My friend said it's his favourite song off the album because it reminds him of the underwater part when you play Mario. I mean, you go underwater and the music changes <laughs> and that's what the yeah. synth sounds like. And I was like, yeah, maybe that was the influence. I'm not sure. But it was a pretty that's
0: so good. <laughs> pretty accurate description. Yeah, I love that. Hmm. Speaking of influencers, hmm. who are you, well, not necessarily influencers, but who are you listening to at the moment that you think they're doing a really good job at the whole music thing? Ah, the whole music thing, yeah.
1: This is always a hard question. What have I been listening to? Um, I've been listening a lot to, uh, these are friends of mine, but, uh, Georgia Mulligan, who's a Sydney artist, uh, Lady Lion, who's a Sydney artist, who has a couple of singles out that I actually worked on, but, you know, Wanker over here listens to the stuff that I recorded, but uh, <laughs> it's really good stuff. Um, and I'm absolutely obsessed with Dominic Breen's de- debut album. Uh, oh, so yeah, yeah. And hey, he's a good friend, but uh, I actually recorded one of the songs on that record as well. Um, yeah, but, uh, that's an amazing record. And yeah, I think he's doing amazing things with the whole music thing. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: How would you describe the Sydney music scene? Because it's something that kind of confuses me. Sure. A little bit. Yeah. I I don't know why, but like, I just want to understand how it all goes down. Cause like my understanding of Sydney is like, (laughs) look outlaws. That's like as far as. I go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, describe the Sydney music scene for it. Okay.
1: How do I do this? It's uh, I mean, look, it's actually pretty strong. It's pretty amazing. There's a there's a lot of different bands and there's a fair bit of variety. There's always a multitude of scenes happening at any one time. Um the scenes are a little bit spread out, I would say. So like, you know, west and northwest, you've got your metal and hardcore scenes and stuff like that. Inner west, you've got anywhere from your sort of cowboy west country and western scene right through to your sort of indie rock scene where we fit in there somewhere, I suppose. Um, but there's a lot of people trying to make it work. There's a lot of venues that close, but a lot of venues that open. It's a very dynamic space. I mean, I've spent some time in Melbourne and I feel like it's less dynamic in that sense. There's these like set venues that are there forever, like your old bars and your espies and stuff like that. Whereas in Sydney, it's kind of ever-changing. I mean, there's some stalwarts around like uh, the Lansdowne, which has changed hands a few times, but it's been there for a long time. We've got Oxford Art Factory, which funnily enough, I used to work at, that's kind of a stalwart at the scene. But then we had like sort of Newtown Social Club, which was like your Northcote Social Club, which closed down, and then the Lansdowne reopened. And then it's just a lot of venues popping up and down, which is cool, but it's also very – it's pretty frustrating for artists because we all sort of get to know and love a new venue and then it disappears um
0: totally
1: yeah and uh look yeah the 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 local city isn't as supportive as we'd all as artists like it to be so there's a lot less street festivals and things like that and I think we'd like to see a lot more things like that that would be really cool I've I've I mean as an outsider from from up here in Sydney Melbourne looks like they do that sort of thing a lot better and a lot more frequently so
0: yeah well it's just like one of those things where when I was in Sydney, I was like where do I go if I want to go see a gig or like how do I find this information out I was like right. I literally don't know where I'm going like who do I ask where am I going like it feels so big yeah. so much bigger in a good way like it is a lot yeah. a lot more
1: spread out absolutely yeah it's not super localized although there are sort of like the inner west is full of venues like Marrickville and Newtown and places like that and that's a pretty good place to hang out um but yeah, if you want some sort of some variety, you've got to start travelling a little bit. I think you know mm. there's different scenes like right within the CBD, and as I said, up in the northwest and the southwest, and there's a scene down in Wollongong, and basically it's all very spread out, which is which is good and bad, I suppose.
0: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. What are your favourite like local venues?
1: Boxwood Art Factory and the Lansdowne are my favourite two venues um but waywards above the bank in newtown which is where we're doing our album launch on december 2nd sorry for the plug um <laughs> is an amazing little venue it's been there for many years but they've revamped it over the last couple of years put a new pa and lights in etc um changed the orientation of the room and it's awesome it's just one of those venues i think it fits about 150 people but it's just like a really nice little time so that's so a good one yeah. and then a uh, special mention to the vanguard which is a place on King Street in Newtown as well. Fits about 200 people and it, they do a lot of cabaret shows there. So it's like dinner and a show, but it's it's a really nice uh, old venue with like big curtains and a big sort of archway thing around the stage. It's gorgeous and it's really cool for whatever you're seeing, whether it is, you know, cabaret or musical theater or, or just a rock band or something. It's awesome,
0: amazing, mm. great. I love this. Now I know where to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That'll get you started. King Street Newtown. Start there. It's a pretty good spot to start. Yeah.
0: Mm. Amazing. Mm. And I guess talk me through this album making process as a whole. How long was it kind of in the works for? Yeah. And I guess what was the most challenging part about putting this album together?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, It all started probably late 2019, as I was saying earlier, like the band was kind of falling apart a little bit and it was, it was this sort of, you know, it was a decision between just, okay, we're calling it, it's over or um, continuing. And I never really made that decision. I had it made for me because, you know, I was confused. I didn't know what to do. So my answer was just to start writing songs again and just see what happens. And if it felt, felt like shit, then that's it. It's over. It didn't. I wrote a song, which is on the record called kind of all right. That was the first one. And I just couldn't get past it. I was like, ah, I'm just going to finish this song and see what happens. The start of 2020 hits. I've just got this one song. I'm dawdling around. I don't know what I'm doing. COVID hits and I'm home with nothing to do. And it started, the album started writing itself basically. Um, So it was a really slow process where I had about two songs right up until March or April of 2020. And then there was literally a three-week period where I went insane and just was right. I was doing sort of, I don't know, I was waking up and doing music until I fell asleep for about two weeks straight and the album just wrote itself. And that was like 90% of the process. I think that's pretty much how I write. I'll take four years with two or three songs and a million different little demos. And then I'll just go insane and just to start, <laughs> start recording morning, noon and night. Um, and that's kind of how it mostly happened. And then there was another, you know, it was it was kind of the basis of it was done by, you know, mid 2020, but then it took me about a year to actually mix the record and sort of finalize the arrangements and parts, get some friends in to do all the different, you know, backing vocals and bits and pieces, friends played horns on it, stuff like that. So, um, but that was all just fucking fun. Excuse my French that was all just really fun um the hardest part to be honest was sitting on it so once you're done with it and we've ordered the vinyl and it's gone up on the streaming services and then we do all the promo stuff and you're just waiting around that part is the hardest for me because you don't you can't show anyone or you can only show your friends or whatever and you just have to sit you just have to go through the mental motions of it's amazing i'm a genius it's a piece of crap no one's going to like this everyone's gonna <laughs> laugh at me I can't sleep you know it's just you go through all that because there's no one there to actually give you the feedback or yeah. there's no reinforcement whatsoever which again ties into the title you know like defend yourself from yourself you know stop thinking these stupid things stop catastrophizing but that's just yeah. part of who I am and probably who we all are to some degree so I find that really yeah. difficult just sitting on it and I could be patient I don't mind waiting but it's just the thoughts that the the mental hurdles you go through while you're waiting to just finally put it out in the world.
0: Yeah, totally. How do you find, what What are some ways that you found assisted you in that waiting game?
1: Um. Yeah, good question. Trying to, like, live a completely different life. So, like, not, not write music for a while, detach for a little bit, just to sort of do other things. You know, I really like reading and writing, so I sort of, do stuff like that and try to switch off music for a while. Another thing I did was when I did want to get back into music, I just started playing with other people and recording other people. So I do recording stuff for some other bands and whatnot. And I do some session work, uh, session musician work as well. So a little bit of that was really cool because I was playing in country bands and stuff like that. And it was a complete detachment from what ADK does. So that really helped. And, like, sometimes it's, it's very easy to get into your own head and your own little musical world and then, Go play bass in a country band for a few months and realize that it's the world is a lot bigger than you in your little project. And it kind of helps. Yeah.
0: Cool. Mm. Love that. Your recent single and also the closing track on your album, um, November. Yeah. Um discusses the freedom of accepting shortcomings. Yeah. Um, are there any other kind of key topics that you explore within this album that really like resonate with you I guess it all resonates with you it's your album yeah. your music but like the, the main ones
1: um <clears throat> let me think through the the tracks that's kind of yeah I think it's like it's it's it feels like the album's a lot of different perspectives on kind of the same thing in the same situation so it's kind of like let's say it's the same person going through the motions whether whether it's like whether it's someone going through an addiction or whether it's someone going through I don't know, a breakup or just a big change in life or something like that. And a lot of it is dealing with those shortcomings and being sort of okay with them. But I think November, that last track that you mentioned, the single, is uh, maybe accepting a few too many things about yourself that are bad, but there are some things you should maybe endeavour to change, particularly if it's affecting those around you. Um, so that's the idea of that song. And there's a song before that on the record, which is kind of those two songs are supposed to talk to each other. So track nine on the record is called Forgive Yourself. And that's sort of the other perspective, the other person talking to the person in November. That was kind of the idea um, where they're sort of pleading for this person that maybe they should reconsider their behavior because it is affecting those around them. And yeah, November's supposed to be that right of reply that it's like I can't change who I am. And it's not that this isn't... You know, the record is not me trying to say someone's right and someone's wrong. There's no moral compass here, but it's just different perspectives on the same thing.
0: Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I really like those, like, kind of tracks or albums that mirror each other. And it's like giving, I was talking about this yesterday with um, Mac Miller's release of the two albums and like, and like, Parcels yeah. did like the Night release. Yeah, yeah. And it's like really interesting how can really dive into the two perspectives Hmm. and delve into that and write about that and kind of have them fit very nicely together and it's a very yin and yang thing. Yeah. Um, Cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's just like, you know, artists exploring themselves and and trying to take perspective of, you know, anyone but themselves as well as themselves is, is, I don't know, it's probably good for writing I suppose. That's just how I think Mm -hmm. in general. I'm probably too diplomatic at times but it's how I end up writing <laughs> I try to get everyone's opinion and everyone's perspective somehow, even though it's just me writing it. Yeah. Mm.
0: You're, you released another single prior to November um, called A Boring Neighborhood.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say is your favorite track off the album?
1: Off the album? There's a song on the album called Lift. It's track, oh God, five. I think it's track five. Um, why it's my favorite? I don't know. I think I really, I like darker music a lot of the time. And uh, it's probably the darkest song on the record, maybe. To my ear it is. And uh, there's yeah. there's something about the vibe of that that I feel like just happened in the, in the studio. It just happened on its own. And uh, it's one of those unrepeatable sounds. Like th- just the whole aesthetic of that song is just, it just happened once. And if I tried to do it again, I probably couldn't. You know, and there's there's, just when I hear it, it's almost like it's not my song. It's like hearing a song from another band. So there's something brooding and dark about that one. Plus, I was really happy with the vocal take, which is super rare for me. I I just can't stand listening to my own vocals half the time. But that one, I'm sort of, it's probably the most comfortable I've ever been with the take. So that as well. Yeah. Awesome. But I love them all. You know, I'm really, really proud of the record. They're all good.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. It's a great record. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I guess the standout track for me is Sophie. Um, Cool. It's got a bit of a dancier vibe to it. Yeah. Um, What is your aim, I guess, in terms of – presenting this album to a live audience and, yeah, allowing them to explore that darker moment and then go into, like, Sophie and an- allow them to get up and have a bit of a dance? What's your aim in that kind of live element?
1: Uh, we're still working on that. That's a really good question. <laughs> we're working pretty hard in the rehearsal studio at the moment to balance the dark and the light of our of our set list and of, of the record. Um, I think we're leaning towards... Uh, mixing up those two vibes and keeping it a bit dark and introspective to start the show, and then at the end it's just party time. So we'll <laughs> stick all the fun ones together at the end, I think. Um, totally. So something like that. But it is hard, you know, what do you do? Do you go all dark, all light? Do you go one after the other? Is that too dynamic? So yeah, honestly, we're still trying to work that out, Vic. Great question.
0: <laughs> what? Well, what does an ADKOB show generally look like?
1: What does it look like? Um, what does it look like? It's very, yeah, yeah. It's a mixture of people going a little bit nuts and dancing, and then stopping and staring at us and wondering what the hell we're doing. And uh, I think we lap that up because you know we're a little bit complicated. We've got a lot of little parts and things going on in our songs. We use samplers and keys and guitars and things like that. So for some of our songs, even our more upbeat songs, we find our audience is quite still. And they're looking at our because I play like a sample with my feet while I'm playing guitar. And we, we find they're just kind of examining us like a like we're in an art gallery or something half the time, which is fine. That's just kind of, I guess that's maybe our points of interest. I'm not sure. But then there's other songs like some of our more classic songs like Glue, where people just go a bit nuts and suddenly it feels like a gin rat's gig for a couple of minutes. And <laughs> it's all it's all pretty schizophrenic, I gotta say, our shows.
0: Yeah, cool. Mm. Yeah, I I I love when that happens when like a band's playing and you're like, what are they doing? Like, what is what instrument is that? And what are they? What's he? How many pedals is he using? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I never really think about the fact that everyone's confused faces might be a bit concerning <laughs> for the people who are playing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it was definitely earlier in our. In our inception, we were like, Oh, people must hate us. They just don't know what's going on. They're looking at us with screwed up faces, like, what is this? <laughs> like they're just sucking on a lemon. But then they come up after and said that was great. And then they start asking about your gear and your pedals and your whatever. And you're like, okay, I see what's going on here. But it's funny, we're not really, I don't think we're techie nerds in that sense. It's we just do it out of practicality. You know, I go into the studio, I record something without thinking how to rep- reproduce it live. And then when we get to the re- <laughs> when we get into the band room, we're like, Mark, how are we going to do this? I'm like, um, <laughs> let's buy another sampler. Let's try and make this work. So we've just ended up being a little bit techie.
0: Yeah, cool. Mm. And yeah, my final question is what is your favourite gig memory um, that you guys have played and also a horror story? Horror gone.
1: Oh, yeah. I got two of those. Um. This is a, a slightly random one. A long time ago, it must have been 2017. We supported a band called Bootleg Rascal from Sydney, and played at a venue called the Manning Bar, which is the uni bar over at Sydney University. It holds about a thousand people. It's a sold-out gig. It was our first big support, I think. And, um, I just remember playing our. Uh, I think we have we've got a song called "Glue," which nobody knew us at the time, but everybody sort of knew that song because it was all over the radio. And when we played to this thousand you know a thousand people and they were listening but like i was saying before screwed up faces showing on a lemon kind of thing who are these guys and then we played that song and it as i said became a junior for a second and i just remember just playing the song like this has never happened to me before this is amazing and people were just going absolutely ballistic and there's just i just have this crystal clear memory of like 10 seconds of when we hit the chorus and everyone went nuts i'm like oh my god i could i could get used to this this is awesome yeah as for a horror story i still remember we went and played uh we drove 14 hours through roadworks and whatnot to get to brisbane to play a show i first show in brisbane we get there it's this tiny little cafe um we didn't have a bass amp and we were borrowing it off the first band it turns out it didn't have a bass player and and they didn't have a guitar amp either so we didn't the bass didn't work, the guitar didn't work, we played to about four people. And then I think we slept about four hours and had to drive back to Sydney. And yeah, it was just those early gigs where it was like, what are we actually doing? You know, in our heads we thought, we're we're massive. This is gonna be awesome. Everyone's gonna come out. We go up there and play to three people with no real PA and no actual sound equipment. And we're like, why did we do this? This is we've just yeah. driven 28 hours and two days for nothing. Uh yeah, sounds a bit very, tough. Like-
0: experiences. Yeah,
1: totally. But you know, yeah, that's character, you know, everybody's got to do it.
0: Totally. And everyone always says that it's always those gigs that you end up talking about. Like you never talk about like the the really stellar amazing like gig where you they you stayed in a luxury hotel room with really good yeah. sheets. <laughs> <laughs> The ones where you're like, there was a rat on
1: the floor, running around and terrorizing. Exactly. Night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're far more interesting to talk about and hear about, that's for sure. <laughs> it's always like a really good story. Yeah, yeah. I have actually always said that the gigs that, yeah, same thing, the gigs that go wrong are the most memorable, even the ones I've seen. I remember seeing the Dirty Projectors at the Metro in Sydney about 10 years ago now, and uh, the singer just had a testy pop while he was doing an acoustic set, and that is the most clear memory of that Um Of that gig where he went, and the whole audience went from crying to laughing. It was an incredible moment. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I love it. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and having a chat. No worries. Thank you,
1: Vic. This is great.
0: Oh, amazing.